Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, I got a guest today that's tough as nails and reminds me of a cross between my CEO, Baram Akradi, and my cowboy father, Ken Clover. Today I have Simon Gerard, who in a year and a half has tackled over 1,000 mile races with pretty much no experience. He's done the Grand Slam, he's done the Leadman Challenge. And he's even overlapped all those goals. So it, that doesn't sound like your kind of guy like it does ours. Even more astonishing is he comes from a non-athletic background. But he knows a thing about, I say tough, he says stubborn. But he knows a thing or two about Leadville. So without further ado, I want you to meet this guy. I want you to listen to what he has to say. And when it comes summer, I want you to have that bottled up and ready to go because his lessons are going to be worth their weight in gold. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. So, Simon, when did Leadville find you? Well, yeah, great question. Um it was last year, actually. Last year, um, I was looking into Big Challenge. I found a Grand Slam, and of course, Leadville was kind of the, the featured race for that, and I really wondered if I could do something like that at altitude. So went there and fell in love with the race, uh, which, which led to basically uh, this summer, which I repeated a Grand Slam, but also try and do the Leadman. <laughs> well, those are very huge challenges. We're definitely going to dig into what both of those mean for each side of our Leadville family that might not be aware. Uh, but before we get too deep into Leadville, let's start with you. Uh, when did you get into running? As I understand, you didn't necessarily grow up with athletics. Yeah, not really. I, I guess I always did sports here and there, but never at a competitive level and even now i i don't consider myself an athlete whatsoever i'm someone who likes challenges i like nature and uh, i don't like to run fast so instead i run along well i think by the time we get done today everybody else is going to disagree with you and understand just what a great accomplished athlete you are um but we're also going to talk about biking now how i really got to meet you. I did see you all summer through our events, but where I guess I really got to know you was somebody would sent me your Leadville Trail 100 uh, mountain bike video, and uh, that was part of your challenge for 2022. Before we get into that experience, you also seem to be a very talented filmmaker. How long has that been a passion for you? Yeah, the... The filmmaking is pretty recent. Uh, I would say I, I was more of a photographer into landscape and things like that. And um, it, it, it's, it's very random, but it's, 
actually associated to the Leadville story of the mountain biking. Uh, last year, I found this uh, from the ground up project, which was uh, essentially two pro bikers, um, cyclists, I suppose, not bikers, that, that sounds different a little bit, uh, but uh, two pro cyclists taking three beginners uh, for the Leadville 100. And I apply for that. For that, you need to submit some kind of little movie about yourself. Most people just film themselves on, on their phone and, and just talk a little bit. I just, I don't know, I felt creative. I wanted to do something a little bit more. That kind of got me into actually making movies um, about my adventure in general. And and I had started filming. It's kind of silly, but I had started filming with my GoPro, some of my ultras, really just for my wife. Uh, just sh- short snippets of, hey, I- I'm doing good or I'm not doing good <laughs> and wanting to share with her. And I never kind of took the time to put it together. Uh, but just having that little kick uh, with the from the ground up, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm sure some people want to see that. Let's put that together, like have this regular dude doing, I think, pretty cool challenges and, and seeing showing that it's it's accessible. You don't have to be competitive. You don't have to be aggressive and just wanting to finish wanting to push your limits is all you need to do and it can actually even be fun sometimes so yeah (laughs) well yeah i mean uh for those of you that haven't seen simon's work you definitely need to dig into his youtube channel because they are so good uh i find them very raw and also a lot of fun i love that you don't take yourself too serious and you always add some humor but it's a very real look into your day, and some of them are very serious videos, like the the bike one. Yeah. Um, so, like, what do you have a process now since you've been doing this for a while about really laying the videos out ahead of time, or do you have a process you go through while you're doing the event, or is it just a very fluid and natural thing for you, and you edit it later? Yeah, I, I think when it comes to ultra in general, having a plan is probably a good idea, but it's it's not, the plan won't survive the reality. It's the same for filming. I might come in thinking, hey, it would be cool to, I did the Wasash one, I, I was thinking a lot about Harry Potter, don't ask me why, I was just thinking a lot about it, and I just decided to make some reference to the movie while I was running, uh-huh. but in general, it's, it's pretty pretty just fluid i would say the exception was for for the level 100 mountain bike i knew that filming down power line was probably a good <laughs> idea because i was actually very worried i might fall which uh did happen so uh, that was preemptive i was like i'm i'm turning on the camera for the whole thing i'm sure <laughs> there's gonna be good footage out of that so yeah that's the only planning i did for this Okay. Well, yeah. And then the, you know, the ground up one was also one of the ones that I remember watching you like, I think it might've been the second one that I saw. And, uh, I mean, it, it was just so compelling. I I just think you oversold maybe you're running. I still don't know why they didn't pick you on that one. Uh, I mean, I have a theory for that. I think the the two pro cyclists were worried that I would dare them to run the Leadville 100, and they didn't want that. You know, I think that's a pretty good theory. I think we could even ask them, and they might agree with you there. (laughs) Uh, Well, and then one other thing that was always uh, really kept me digging in on the bike was what was that? What's the app that you use that brought up that real neat dashboard? So. 
It, it kind of looked yeah, like you're totally on a motorcycle through that thing. Yeah, I'm using, um, so I, I use my watch because I, I don't have a bike computer, but it would work with your GPX and it's a Garmin Viber. Uh-huh. It's a free app. And then all you need to do is kind of sync your, your video footage to the exact time on your GPX. So then it has your location and your speed. Uh-huh. It's, it's a little bit tedious to do, uh-huh. but I, I think it's really worth it to have kind of a good feel for how steep is that slope, <laughs> for example, because it's hard on camera to actually see sometimes that's actually really steep or you're going very fast. So having the actual metric is actually, I think, pretty neat. Oh, yeah. So it was much more compelling to see that. I mean, it really gave a depiction of what was going on. And especially, like you say, Powerline looks so flat in pictures and videos. But we all know it's lung-searing hiking country on the way up and on the way down. You don't want to be on it either. Um, yeah. Okay, so now let's dig into some of the good stuff. Let's let's dig into the running Um, you know, you talked to us about the Grand Slam and you have that Eagle Trophy displayed in your ground up video. And then, uh, I don't know if I heard you correctly, but I think I did. Now the first year and a half of your running career, you did how many hundred mile foot races? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I would need to count them, but I, I would guess something like nine, Okay, and that Eagle Trophy you said was associated with the Grand Slam. For our Leadville mountain biking family, please tell them what that is. Yeah, sure thing. So the Grand Slam is um, a fault for running. Is um, You have to run four out of five of the oldest and toughest 100 miles in uh, the U.S. So the, the choice that you have is Old Dominion. You have Vermont, you have Western, you have Leadville, and you have Wasash. Now, uh, Western is very hard to get in. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> very, very frequently, you do what I did, which is Old Dominion, Vermont, Leadville, and Wasash, uh, which really gives a good feel for, for, for different types of race because Old Dominion, for example, is in Vermont, they're East Coast race. So the, the kind of elevation that you get is very different than if you compare to Leadville, where Leadville, it's a mountain race, kind of, but it's really, it's flat, then you have a lot of elevation gain all of a sudden, all compact into 20 miles, which is pretty rough. But for a place like Vermont or or Old Dominion, you're, you're going up and down all day, which is a little kind of a different feel for it. Uh, so, so it's interesting to to do these things for sure, like the, the variation. And they're all through the same summer, so... I guess on average you have to run one every month more or less. So at some point it gets where it's not so much can you do a hundred mile race, but more can you do it and not be so wrecked afterwards that you're not able to just pop another one a month later. Right. I mean, that alone is a monumental challenge for a lot of people, including myself. Now, and, and you didn't relax on your laurels for 2022, uh, what Leadville challenge did you take on for for this year in Leadville? Yeah, so for for Leadville, and that that was really the the actual challenge this year was to do the Leadman. And coming in, I had 
I don't know. I was giving myself a 50-50 chance of finishing the Lebanon. And it's pretty clear what event was problematic for me. It's the, it's the 100-mile mountain biking. Um, so for the Lebanon, those who are not familiar, you, you have to do the whole Leadville series, which is uh, the, the marathon, which actually was a huge struggle for me. That's probably the one I struggled the most for various reasons. Then you do the Silver Rush 50-mile, which you can do the run or the biking. I decided to do both. Um because I wasn't sure if I could do the 50-mile biking, but I wanted to practice. So I just ran the 50-mile to make sure I was not disqualified. Then I biked and didn't die. So that was good, I suppose. Um, and then you go and you do the 100-mile bike, 100-mile run. And there's the 10K also um, the day after the 100-mile bike, which I guess usually is more of a formality. But also for me, am- amusingly, the-, the 10K and the marathon this summer were the ones I struggled the most. Really? The 10K? Yeah, well, I, I was pretty banged up after my fall from the mountain bike. If I had the option to sit that one out, I would definitely have done so. Um, my ribs were, they were not happy. They were still not happy one week later when I did the 100-mile run, but the day after, just breathing normally was painful. Um, I don't think it was broken, but it was, it was not great. It, it really wasn't great. Well, now, like I said, I had a lot of fun watching you all summer, but in fact, uh, I even watched your Lifetime uh, Foundation jersey zip around me back and forth quite a bit during the 100, because I also had a bad day on the course. But yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> I, the, the only time I noticed you, there, there, there's a dude that at some point screamed something like, only three miles left. And I was like, who the hell is that? And then I turned around, it was you. And I was like, what is he doing there? He's a much better cyclist than I am. But uh, I heard you had some mechanicals. Well, that's not entirely true. I wasn't a better cyclist that day, mechanical or not. I did. But what what is more important to me about this is you and that day and your video. And that's what what really got me intrigued. you know, the early stages of your race, we're going to need you to elaborate on that. What I remember is seeing it all unfold the first 20 seconds in, and you know what I mean. And then at 10.45 into that video, you revisit that first 20-second frame, and your first statement in that video is, can I run next weekend? And, I mean, damn. It's it's a, a great job of editing and and you do a great job of reiterating some of my dad's tough cowboy words, but your video speaking of pain and your assessment and your willingness to move forward. You had that adversity right away and you attack that challenge. Can you please tell us about those moments in that day? Because I mean that's really the one and only thing we try to teach our athletes is how to be tough, how to move forward. And I mean, here you are doing all this without even having the background. Take us through that day. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm tough. I'm definitely a city boy. (laughs) Uh, And if you saw my uh, scouting the course uh, video, uh, when there were cows, I was like, "Uh Oh, no, I'm not going next to the cows. Um, then I, I did hear that the pro cyclist actually hit some cows. <laughs> I, like, oh, well, yeah. 
I told you so. Um, but I don't know if I'm tough, but I'm definitely stubborn. That's that's something that I do have going for myself for these things. And um, really what happened, I was having a great day. The, the first two hours or so, uh, up going up power line, I was way above the time I was hoping to do. I felt very comfortable on the bike. I was going pretty much at the same rhythm as other people, even on the downhill. And it was silly. I, I actually did the same mistake when I practiced the course. Uh, there was just a little kind of almost jump. Um, and I don't have practice. I just totally missed the jump. I fell down. And pretty much right away, I kind of assumed that my race was over uh, when I was still in the air. I assumed I'm, I, I would be injured. I was hoping I wouldn't break anything. But I had to fall also a similar one, but not for the same reason, but pretty much the same speed um in april and my knee was really wrecked from that accident so my kind of first thought was well first i don't want to be run over and i don't want anyone to fall on me but but then i was saying wow i trained so much this year I, there's so much going on and i just take this jump too fast i fall like an idiot and now this is over um and yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the kind of mo moment of despair is not happening anymore. That lasted a few seconds and probably that's when I was still flying. <laughs> but then I got up, I moved my bike and I kind of assessed the situation a little bit. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm standing. That's, that's good. Um, that's better than, than a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, you, ju you just look at your option. Obviously, I was not planning to fall, though I, I knew it could happen. But all right, I fell down. I'm hurt. Let's make a body assessment. Can I stand up? Yes, I can. Um, one moment that I've, I've seen the video a lot, obviously, from editing the movie. And the fall itself, I can look at it and not cringe or have too much pain. But there's a short moment. And hearing myself is not great. Like hearing myself moaning like, ah, ah. <laughs> That doesn't feel great, but but there's like a very short moment when I kind of lean both of my elbow and my knee to kind of rest, and immediately it, my elbows were were totally scratched uh, or or bruised, and uh -huh. I kind of jumped a little bit. And every time I see that the hair on my back, I, I have cold sweat. That was extremely painful <laughs> when I did that, but that kind of woke me up a little bit, and I was like, all right. Elbows are not doing great. Fine. Like, I, I don't need that. I really don't need that. Can I realistically complete the race? Well, I'm still standing. And yeah, I mean, I'm not out. And I've always had this kind of philosophy of the only reason I would drop a race would be if I fear for permanent injury or something dangerous. But otherwise you guys will need to drag me off. You guys will need to say, Simon, I'm sorry, but like you're way off the cutoff. Otherwise I'm not the one quitting. Uh, you're forcing me to quit. I'm not the one quitting. You, you do everything you can. And I think that's important because in the moment, it's very easy to, to look at the situation and say, well, you know, I'm in pain. Obviously I'll lose a lot of time. My bike was a little crooked. Mm -hmm and you just drop and that feels like the right decision at the time, but that will not feel like the right decision in one week or one month or one year. That will feel like, feel like a very painful decision that, well, what if, 
what if I didn't drop then? What if I made it at least to Twin Lake in this case mm-hmm. and decide then? And that really felt like the smart decision. Let's make it to Twin Lake and let's see then. Right. Well, and so here I am. I say you're tough. I guarantee my Leadville family agrees with me. You say you're stubborn. But, I mean, where did you pick up this attitude? It must have been long before this because literally that is what we try to teach and that must be ingrained in you long before this. What other challenges and adversity have you had to put that to use with prior to your athletic career? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, It's the kind of thing that, I don't think it's true that you have it to, or you don't. You can definitely practice that. But it's something that can be applied outside of athletics. And I think that's something that is great about, you know, the Leadville families. I, I see it going both ways. When you think about the, the, the history behind the Leadville Trail 100, it doesn't come from a, well, we're badass athletes, let's make a badass race. It comes from, well... We're badass miners. I'm sure that's not the terminology that people use, but we're badass miners and and we need to create something. And it's being able to face adversity and being able to put in the work, the hard work to, to accomplish something meaningful. And I think for me, it's a little similar. I don't think I come from an athletic background, but hey, I, I'm originally from Canada, which I guess is similar to the U.S., although my family will hate me if I say that. (laughs) But I come from Canada. Um, I studied a lot. I have a PhD. Uh, These things were not easy. Um, Sometimes people ask you when they haven't run a 100 miles before, like, oh, how long does it take you? Then you're like, okay, well, it takes me, I don't know, 24 hours. Like, wow, do you sleep? (laughs) Like, man, I mean, you should have seen seen my PhD like that. Sleeping was very optional during my PhD. It's kind of the same thing. And at, at some point, if you want to accomplish something great, there's no there's no shortcut. There's no, I, I guess someone could cheat, but then that's, you're really not accomplishing anything great. But there's no shortcut. You need to put in the work and you need to accept that it's not always going to be pleasant. Right. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. And you look back in, into what you've accomplished and say, wow, did I really do that? Did I really, you know, the, the race I'm the most proud definitely is the hundred mile bike because really I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no business there. It's, it was clear before the race and it's clear afterwards, but, but Hey, hot damn, you know, I, I did it. Like I did it. And that's something that nobody can ever take away from you. I did right. it. I put in the work. I I face that adversity knowing that, well, you know, it's painful, but that's kind of not significant. Like, it's sure, it's painful right now, but that's temporary. And I, right. there, there's a saying, I don't know where it comes from, but some that's where, like, some of these things I learned when I was speaking more French uh, might not be the exact word, but something like, you know, pain is temporary, but pride is forever. And I think in this case, that's very true. Uh-huh. Um, the, the pain that you feel while you're racing, it's not just if you crash, but obviously, you know, climbing those last few climbs, like climbing, um, is it St. Kevin's, the, yeah. the last climb? Yeah, that road um, climb. <laughs> yeah, like 
I, I, I was looking at the time. I was like, well, you know, if I had one more hour, I would feel very comfortable. But otherwise, <laughs> I need to I need to pedal. I, I need to push. But my legs don't feel like that. And it's like, well, you know, t- tough luck. Like, you, you got you to gotta do it now. <laughs> You got to do it. Otherwise, you're going to suffer more when I go training to try again. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. Well, now, and it does seem you've adopted to running a little easier, let's say. Um, but also for your day for the Leadville Trail 100, that video started out very similar with you letting us know that wasn't your day either oh, right yeah. away. And that's what really impresses me with you. Um, a lot of us are prepared for demons at the end of this stuff, <laughs> but when they rear their head at the beginning, it's very hard to face that adversity for sure. But are you finding that uh, these that it's coming early for you in these other events also, or has this just been fluky things with Leadville, or is it just kind of constant all the way through? Well, so. I don't, I don't know why it was so bad this year at Leadville. If I compare, because I, I raced Leadville 100 last year, and that went pretty smoothly, whereas this year, it's just... There's, there's two things I'm good at, and that's why I adapted very quickly to, to ultra running, is I'm stubborn. You say tough, but I say stubborn. <laughs> I insist on that because I am stubborn. And then the second one is I'm pretty good at eating, which... It's a great advantage for ultra running. If you fall behind in calories, you're you're gonna have trouble. And that they just for some reason, I guess I became a normal human being that just cannot eat all the time. And that was terrible. I, I was I was so far behind on calories. I had zero energy. But then then that's where it, it's fr- it's frustrating because I know I can race much better than that. Uh huh. But it isn't significant. It, today is a bad day. All right, like today is a bad day. Just like the the hundred mile bike, I failed on. Like okay, well, you know, tough luck. Like that. That's not great. Right. But you can't change that. You can't change that you're having a bad day. You can't say, well, you know, guys, like guys, let's just let's just re- stop the race and we'll do it next week. <laughs> next week is gonna be better. It's like no, it's today. Um, if I was a pro athlete then i would just have dropped because there's really no point but my goal is only to finish right. then you reassess your situation it's like okay can i make it under 30 hours I'm like well i guess so well all right <laughs> let's just do it and instead of really i was aiming for a sub 25 because i know i can do that um not easily but i know i can do that but very quickly i mean i would think 10 miles in i knew that this is not happening today. I'll make it just sub 30 hour. It might be 29.59. Uh-huh. But that's a win. 29.59 is a win. Absolutely. That's what I'm aiming for now. And let's be realistic about it. And let, let's make whatever needs to happen for that. And one thing that I was very lucky is most of the time I race solo, but um, but I had a great crew and pacers. And instead of running a hundred mile, I kept thinking, wow, like I only need to go to 60 miles. Then it's really not my responsibility anymore. <laughs> now, you know, my pacer is the one that needs to ensure that I'm making it to the finish line because otherwise they'll hear about it. Right. So I was like, oh, 60 mile, like that sounds, that sounds manageable. 
but uh, yeah, it was it was tough. It was really really tough. Well, and you hit on a couple things um, because you don't have that running background, and you know you you're so good at studying this stuff. You just brought up that you like to eat. What does your nutrition look like in training and in races? Can you take us through that? And are you using any solid foods, only solid foods? What's that look like for you? Yeah, well, so I think by now I have something like 1,800 miles. And I would say there's <laughs> definitely variation between each days. Uh-huh. But um, so... First, training. Uh, I typically don't eat while I train. I might do it on the trail a little bit. I don't feel the need because I know myself already. I think when you're starting an ultra, it's probably a good idea to go for a few runs where you eat more than you actually need. Yeah. Um, because, you know, just from biology perspective, you have glycogen stores in your muscle and in your liver and it's probably accounting for about 2000 calories which is probably 20 miles and i rarely go for more than 20 miles on a you know on a training run so i don't need to eat but at some point in history i did go and say okay well let's try and you know run this 20 mile but instead of just relying on that i'll be eating 300 calories an hour just to see you know if i can do it mm-hmm. now i know i can do it so i just don't do it um but for a race it will start with gels um i don't necessarily have a preference for any specific brand so if a if a brand wants to sponsor me they're welcome but uh, <laughs> I, you know just gel or, or basically fast carbs is what yeah. i will start with and draining you know gatorades and, and gummies and, and, and what's not um which obviously at some point will get a little harder to digest so when i feel that happening and that's where there's variation between races i think when it's Warmer temperature, I tend to have problem quicker. Yeah. But, you know, this year's Leadville was not like that for some reason. Um, just had pro- a problem with it. But slowly I will try and at aid station, I will switch my gels for maybe something that's a little bit more solid food, a little bit more salty food, a little bit more actual meal. Um, mm-hmm. Later in the race, it's going to be ramen, especially at night when I'm zombie walking. <laughs> And, um, but so this year at Leadville, something that I had never really tried before was mashed potatoes. Yeah. And that worked. That was the only thing I could eat. Um, starting, I, I would say like starting at mile 40 almost, that's the only thing I could actually eat, uh, which is not great, but it, it was really easy to digest. And obviously it, it's carbs, um, oh, complex carbs, but, um, that really helped. But otherwise, yeah, not very specific, um, in terms of the the food I take, I try as much as possible. And I think it's a huge advantage in ultras. I try to be able to get good results with whatever is in front of me on the table at the aid station. I don't want to rely too much on my uh, drop bag. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, there is a preference at first, but very quickly then, you know, at, say at mile 70, for example, I don't know many people that are just eating normally at that point. It's <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking and sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not keeping up with your calories. So anything you're able to eat, I mean, very simple rule of thumb for me is if you can eat and not puke it, that's probably a good choice. Okay. And as, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know if it's supposed to be family friendly, but at some point, at the beginning, you have options for that. But at some point, it's like, okay, well, 
I look at some food and it's, oh, no, 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 I'm not touching <laughs> that. Like, I, I can feel it. And this race, actually, actually for Leadville, um, Mark was the first one to pace me after Twin Lake. And he was like, Simon, you need to eat. And if, you know, if I knew more, you know, if I knew you, bleh, if I knew you more, I would force feed you now, but you're telling me you're not well. So, but you know, just try something. And I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll try a blue gel. And, uh, that was, I, that was not a good idea. It's, it came <laughs> out easily and I knew it. I was like, yeah, that's, uh, it was, it was a good try, but that's not happening. Let's stick to mashed potatoes at each aid station. <laughs> um, so yeah, not, not great. And that's where you can start with a plan, but eventually you just need to adapt the plan because <laughs> the plan go, goes out the window very quickly. Yeah. For most of us, things start going south, the more miles you get under you. Yeah. Well, so, okay. That's a good nutrition strategy still though. I mean, you're, you know what calories you can take and you know, you know, the science behind it at least. Now, did you have us have goals with your run training? Was there a certain mileage you'd go for starting out or go for today? Does that differ from when you yeah. started out? Yeah. Yeah. Training is a great question. Um, so this year is not a good example because I've raced quite a lot. Um, so right now I'm actually, I'm going to race uh, mid state um, next weekend <laughs> and it's going to be my 10th hundred mile this year. So at some point, you know, if you take one week of taper for a hundred mile and one week of healing afterwards, you look at my schedule and it's like, Simon, you're never training, right? I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> In, in a normal situation, so let's say last year, I, I would aim for something like 70, 80 miles a week, yeah. uh, two or three weeks in a row. Then I would take a re- week where I would reduce the mileage to something like 40 uh-huh. and uh, trying to have some hill, hills in there, trying to have a little bit of interval or, or, or some some level of high intensity here and there, but mostly building up for mileage. Uh-huh. Um but I don't go with a structure plan. I feel that the danger with that is you have a 20 mile run. So it's like, well, I got to do 20 mile runs and, and I don't feel great. And my knee is not great. But I'm going to do it anyway. And next thing you know, you're injured. So that's not great. At the same time, I'm, I do think I have a good work ethic and I'm not competitive against other people, but I'm very competitive with myself or retrying to always improve. So if I had a 20 mile run scheduled, I would do only 20 mile run. Whereas if I know it's my long run, then I'll go for a long run. And if it's 26 miles because I'm feel, feeling great, let's do 26. Um, and I push always a little more because I don't have a specific schedule to follow. Um, the, the closest to a, a schedule I was following was back when I was in, in Cambridge where it was flat. So it was a little easier I would try to run at least a marathon every week. And sometimes I would do Saturday, Sunday, I would run two marathon back to back, um, slow, but Mm -hmm. just trying to build mileage really, uh, not on trail. I think that really helped, but that was not sustainable. So I, I dialed down a little bit the the volume. Oh, well, and then this year you, you're right. It was a little bit of a rough example because, you know, we talked about everything you were up to all summer and lead man, I mean, then didn't you turn around and go do run, rabbit, run, and something else? 
Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> run rabbit run. People ask me why why did you run run rabbit run one week after Wazash? <laughs> like why did you sign up? Like I, I didn't know you were that stupid. I was like, I know, but just to be clear, I signed up for Run Rabbit Run first and it was supposed to be the only race. Oh and yeah, because I signed up before the pandemic. And that so and, you you did that way before you were thinking Grand Slam. Yeah, I signed up when I didn't even know if I could run a hundred mile, and then it was canceled, and then I couldn't do it one year. So then it was deferred <laughs> many times, and in the meanwhile, then I was like, "Hey, like you know that that Grand Slam thing sounds pretty cool. Let's try that." And oh, hey, that Lenman deal. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Let's try that. And then I was looking at Run Rabbit Run. I was like, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna just skip it." Uh, but I. <sighs> I decided to just give it a shot and really go with the mindset of really today I'm not trying, I'm not racing. Today I'm doing a hundred mile and yeah. I, I'll go as slow as I need to go. I'll take my time. It really doesn't matter. 36 hours sounds reasonable. Um, and if I don't feel good after that, that's the only race I came in really thinking hey, if I don't feel good after 10 miles, I'm just going to drop. And no hard feelings, not because you're not able to do it. It's just because it was really a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> amazingly, it went very well until mile, I would say, 60. Okay. I was feeling much better than than typical. Then it went, it, it kind of, it was a cliff in terms of how I, I felt. I felt great. And then five minutes later, I felt very, 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 very bad. <laughs> but I was so far in the race, I was like, well, whatever, let's just do it. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think anything about that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the smartest. But well, hey, I'm, I'm stubborn. I, I was lined up. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. Who cares? I mean, it worked out great. I mean, your record's still not tarnished. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it all comes down to. It, it depends what's your goal, and I think a lot of people try to do the best race that they could do. Uh-huh. And that's definitely a direction that I understand. And I think I'm very good at completing race, but I'm not good at doing a good time. I'm sure I could do faster if I really put my mind to it, but that's really not what I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, whereas some other people, they will be very good at, well, you know, I'm trying to do whatever, like sub 25 or right. even faster for Leadville. And I'm going to stick to that pace no matter what. Whereas for me, very quickly, I'm like, well, you know, this is painful. <laughs> Let's slow down a little bit. Like, I I don't want to, it's not win or lose. It's, it's well, completing is actually a win. A better win would be a fast time. But when you see it's not happening, I'm switching to that very quickly. And that's why I think I'm able to do that many races is just, adjusting my pace to a pace that seems a little more sustainable and clearly is below what I could ideally do. I think run rabbit run, there's no question I can do some 30 hours, but on that day, there's no way I could have done that. I could have tried, but then you're injured and and then your season is maybe over. So I really didn't want that. Well, and I think you're getting the win and I understand. I mean, what your goal is, is a much bigger challenge. I mean, it's, it would be a lot easier to prepare for a sub 25 at Leadville than 10 hundred mile races in a year and a half or 
you know, the Grand Slam, Lead Man, any of that. So I think you're hitting plenty of goals. Now, speaking of goals, uh, what's going to be on your list for 2023? Um, that's a great question. Um, I'm obviously signing up for or putting my name in the hat for Leadville again. I, I All right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to kiss any asses here, but I think what's very special about Leadville is, is the community, and it's such a happening. You yeah. go there and you're going to meet people that you've raced before. I mean, races, I don't actually mean racing, but I, we ran together. Yeah. <laughs> Closer to that, I, that's what I love about ultra running. It's, uh, we're, we're there together. We're not there against each other. But you, you'll see people that you've met before. It's kind of this big family reunion. So definitely I'm putting my name there. Will I be big? I don't know. But um, I'm going to also put my name in Western and Hard Rock because you've got to do it to have <laughs> yeah. a lot of yeah odds um otherwise it will really depend on that um i'm not planning anything big but i'm sure i'm gonna change my mind around <laughs> kind of december is where you you sign up for these things and uh-huh. i'll just have to be extra nice to my wife and uh, <laughs> yes, she knew. present the plan accordingly um but yeah no no big plans i think i'll probably try to have a few biking races here and there but not too many it's definitely not my thing and it it definitely feels like gambling almost when i when i do something that's closer to mountain biking i think gravel race is probably closer to to what i can do okay um but yeah definitely a few hundreds here and there as you can hear no specific plans um (laughs) But what I do enjoy is trying new races. Yeah. Um, there's there's obviously the, the, the style of race, like I mentioned, you know, Leadville, Hard Rock, Western, that of course I want to do that. If, if my name is picked, I'm definitely running that. But then trying these lower key events, sometimes you have very, very good surprises. One that this uh-huh. year I was just blown off was uh, Samo 100. Um, Santa in Santa Monica, uh, which is close to to home for me. Okay, it, it was just such a great race. Uh, I loved it. It was beautiful, very well organized. The first year they did it, um, and if you would always do the same race over and over again, you would never discover these kind of niche events like that. So definitely gonna try new stuff. Um, I might even do Samo again uh, this year. It was very difficult, um, <laughs> but yeah. That's the plan. Well, and okay, now now if you had one piece of advice to give to your new Leadville family members, what would you what would that be? Wow, yeah. Uh listen to Ken. You you I, I just don't want to steal anything here, but like you, you can do more than you think you can. Uh, I think that's very true and don't give up. Um just face adversity do what you can to overcome these challenges. And the reality is sometimes you will fail, but that doesn't reflect on you being a failure. If you tried, you know it in your heart that you tried and that's really what matters. Well, not, yeah, that's great advice. I don't think you're taking anything from anybody. Boy, it's uh, very well proven that you live what you say and uh, it's very admirable, especially all the adversity I've seen you face in the beginning of some of this stuff. Um, you know, you hold a toughness 
that we try to communicate to our Leadville family every day. So it's it's very important, and it's just so special to see it come through in you. I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, I hope everybody logs into your YouTube channel and checks out your videos. And thank you very much for spending time with me today. Yeah, it was great chatting with you. Tough, stubborn, or whatever. Wasn't Simon such a fun guest? I told you, Leadville family. Now, don't forget to get onto YouTube and get on the trails with Simon. Uh, Once again, that's Simon Gerard. Hopefully you like what you've heard today. If you have, please don't forget us. Please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. And as always, we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.